CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They make it really easy to get great tasting Mexican food. You can stop by any one of their three convenient locations, Capitol Hill, U District, Wallingford, or you can order through Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. You can also text RBT to the number 474747 and you'll get deals on tacos, burritos, and more. All of the information is in the show notes. to the CZ Media Podcast. Thank you for listening. Before we start, I want to remind everyone to subscribe. I have the show on iTunes, Stitcher. Hopefully by this time, it'll be also be on iHeart Music? Radio? Radio Music? Is it radio? Radio. iHeart. <laughs> I should probably know that. You should know that. <laughs> yeah, iHeart Radio. Um, it should be on... By the time this airs, so go ahead and subscribe. Uh, follow us on social. I've had a donate button on the website, but I just realized that the service it went through too many steps. So I don't. I think that people have clicked on it, uh, but they didn't. They were like, "Oh, there's too many steps. I'm not going to do it." They asked for blood. It's there's like it's a six six step process. Yes, yeah, too many steps. People aren't going to do that. No. So what I've done is uh, set up my PayPal to be easier to use. So if you click on that donate link or support the show, it should just take you to a, a PayPal service and easy peasy. So do that. Um, and actually, I'm a, I'm still recovering from a horror weekend. Uh, a weekend ago or do you like horror uh not really why i don't want to do you mean like movies yeah yeah no so growing up in the 70s and friday night they would have like dracula and all those and i'm the youngest so whatever the older kids wanted to watch is what was on tv yeah so kind of been little traumatized from that. <laughs> and then you would have the dreams of what you saw. You know, it kind of stuck with me too much. I try to watch, um, was it American Horror Story? Yeah, the show. Yes. The begin, like the first three episodes, I couldn't, it, it creeped me out. Of what, what season? Do you remember? The first one. The first, so the house? The house. house, yes. That <laughs> creeped me out so much. I was in the shower one time and I was like, no, nah, I got to stop watching this. I'm good. <laughs> Were so, you seeing a, a a guy in a uh, latex suit come at you? It it was just oh, like you, too if you, creepy. If you you only got through three episodes, yeah, so I don't maybe even think four. You, yeah, I don't even think creepy. you saw the latex guy. Yeah, it was too creepy for me. It was like staying in my head after, and that was was it was creeping me out. So I'm those, cool. you know, those <clears throat> there's like seven or eight seasons of that. It's pretty good. I, 
So I wouldn't no, it actually it is horror, but it's not gory. So you're just saying the suspense. I like suspenseful shows, but yeah. like when it's creepy and suspenseful, that's just a little it's doing too I much. See. So you want like, like suspense pure... is like, ooh shoot, I wasn't expecting that. Right. So you but, want like a pure murder mystery versus a murder mystery with uh like creepy intentions. So like Dexter. That was a good show. It was suspenseful. You know what I mean? And it okay. was funny. American Horror Story. I see. Creepy, 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 <laughs> creepy the whole time. Like, there's not nothing I can laugh at. It's like a little too real. So, yeah. Then, no, I, I've, I haven't seen the circus season. The one where the this clown with this very demonic face started getting popular. Yeah. I haven't seen that one and I'm halfway through the last season and I haven't seen the most current one, but <laughs> you're right. It is creepy, It's creepy, but it's good. This, I mean, actually I sort of think that that first season is the, it's tied for the best one. Mm-hmm. Cause they, they got, they had a, they started out of the gate just producing an amazing show. Uh, the, some of them are not as good as others. Do you like witches and stuff? Oh, yeah. I'm cool with witches. So like the- B-Witch? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, I grew up in the 70s. Like, you know. You know, they no, they made a B-Witch movie already. Yeah, but I'm talking about the TV show. And, you know, a lot of those what shows back name? then, uh, everyone, like they would come home and have martinis. You know, they were constantly drinking, like, you know, Darren, he would come home, have him a martini. And well, it would be ready for him. Yeah. And but it's, and it's one of those things where a lot of people back then drank. So oh, like, yeah. I would look at that and be like, man, I can't wait to have a martini. And I don't know if that's why I drink martinis now, but. <laughs> you know, martinis are classy. Yeah, they are. We're classy. Man, someone has to class us up. We, last, uh, last year, we were at a Halloween party and. We were, see, where were we? No, two years. Yeah. Uh, we were at, we were at this hotel downtown for a Halloween party. And I'm at the bar and there were a group of about five, five frat guys. They were being obnoxious. They were ordering, what's like Jaeger shots oh the jaeger bomb jaeger they were ordering obnoxious college age drinks college yeah. age drinks and the then then the bartender came over to me and took my order and i said uh i said i want a i want a vodka martini with a twist and then she smiled a little bit and said okay so she gave me my drink and then the next time i went up the bros were there well ahead of me but she, from my opinion, purposefully ignored them right. and came to me and asked for my drink. And I said, the, you know, the same thing. And she served me and then she was very nice. And then there was an immediate change <laughs> on her face yes. when she turned to the bros and they asked for another round of their Jaeger shot. Yeah. Classy people drink martinis. I guess. The I love shows. I love watching shows over and over again. So Dexter, I've seen a few times, but another show that I've seen like all the way through 
is Mad Men. Oh yeah, no, I never really got into that. The so Mad Men, I think that I've seen. <clears throat> here, I'll, I'm gonna tell you how. I don't know if this is sad. Probably this actually this means that I have way too much time on my hands. <laughs> but I've seen Mad Men, Californication, Breaking Bad, and The Sopranos a minimum of five times each. All of them, all of the seasons. That's a lot of time. I just finished a few weeks ago. I just finished watching Mad Men like for like the sixth or seventh time, I think. And oh, my goodness. Like this part of me, like a small part of me says, like, how cool would it have been to have lived in that era? Okay. to be able to do this. But then. When I talk about, I see, I can't talk about this to my friends because the first thing they say is, I'm the wrong shade. I'm the wrong color to have experienced that level of awesomeness at the office. Okay. But then I tell them, no, I would have, my, my talent would have uh, just busted through. <laughs> and just like, so in the show, they're all, of course, they're all, they're all guys. And there was one secretary that got, that was talented and she got noticed and she, this from a secretary, she went to being a copywriter to actually being a full blown member of the, of the community of the, of the team. So mm-hmm. Mad Men is about advertising in the, in the, uh, do they start in the fifties In the sixties and seventies? Okay. But it's what you just said. They have a bar in every single office. The secretaries, are in charge of making sure that that bar is stocked. You'll see them pressing the intercom on their phone and saying, uh, Alice, bring us some ice or we need more of the brown. Like they're right. It's like secretary slash bartender. So the bad thing about watching that is that you it. I've, I've fallen. Uh, my susceptibility to drinking more did go up after watching this. <laughs> that could happen. Even though I've, it's been a while since I stopped watching it. Cause I went all the way through. It's like, is it, it's 10 o'clock. It's like, is it too early? Like if I'm working on a project and I just can't think of something to have a little, it's like, is sippy? It, yeah. Like, is it bad? It's like five o'clock. somewhere there. Like <laughs> you can use that as a, or just be like, fuck it, I want to have a drink, and um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think as long as, um, well, I don't know. Oh, I don't. <laughs> it's probably, overall, it's probably not the best of ideas. But lately, I've been drinking Bailey, putting Baileys in my coffee. Okay. Saying, that's okay. It's not full-blown. Yeah. It's not it's, a full-blown liquor. It's like a push-up on your creamer. It's like a push-up bra for yeah, your creamer. Exactly. Yeah. A little, uh, a little pick-me-up. Get it going. You know. Then it starts getting your taste buds ready. And next thing you know, you're drinking martinis at noon. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, today, actually, people are going to know who you are already because they're going to see the awesome picture that I photoshopped you on. Oh, okay. But today, I have the absolute pleasure. I'm super excited about our guest today. Uh, I'm speaking with Erica White. The owner, what is it? Owner, what's what's your title? Owner, operator? Owner, general manager. Owner, general manager of one of my most favorite restaurants in this whole city. If you were to ask me what my favorite restaurants in the city are, five, 
mm-hmm. you're you're on there. All right. I just I I love it very very much. Uh, but it's Fats Chicken and Waffles on Martin Luther King. Uh, what's the address? Two seven two six East Cherry Street. So we're right on the corner of MLK and Cherry. Okay, and that's, you know, I live really near, <laughs> and I don't know what that, if if it's still Central District. Oh no, that's part of the CD. Okay. Oh, where you live at, or where? No, where the, the worst, is. where the restaurant. Oh is. no, we're right in the heart of the Central District. Okay. Yeah. I'm not very good with geography like that. Oh well, I mean, I grew up there, so, uh, yeah, that's all Central District. Starts becoming south when you well back in the day we say you go past Jackson and head to McClellan you're in the south end. Okay. You know, uh, but that's still centrally located. Once yeah. you kind of pass Franklin, you're south. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't pay attention to those de- those kinds of details. Um, I should though. I know that I live in the Mountain Baker neighborhood. Yeah. Like that's as much as I know, and I know that yeah that's that's as much as I know, but. Tell me about the restaurant. Tell me about Fats Chicken and Waffles. Well, hold on. Let me tell you first. Okay. <laughs> it is absolutely delicious. Thank you. It like I have two things to confess. The first thing is that <clears throat> okay, it's not really. I have one thing to confess. My wife and I have been there tons of times. Okay. And I've only gotten one item. The same thing? The same thing. What are you getting? <laughs> the sandwich. Honey butter. Honey butter. Yeah, it's addicting. Although I have gotten almost every side. Okay. So usually the I have plates overflowing on my table because I get all of the sides. So you started with the honey butter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of one of those sandwiches that if like before we had it on the menu and you like the chicken sandwich or whatever you liked prior to, yeah. and then you tried that, you just ditched your other favorite. It is like, just it so is, good. It is really addicting. You know, when we put that on the menu, we sold over 600 of them in one month. Holy and cow. And that's when I knew I was like, this was a good idea. Yeah. it's. <laughs> I, when I'm right, I'm going through this whole I just learned that I'm really fat. Okay. It was, it was came just shocking. Just like, news what? to me. Just absolute news. I was like, when did this happen? Right. But when I get down to my goal weight, my prize to myself <laughs> is going to be eat as many of them as I can. Yeah. In one day. I like I really think that in one sitting I can put down maybe four. Well, I had a guy come in a couple weeks ago and he ordered two. And I told him he had to get a salad. Yeah. Came (laughs) in for brunch. I said, on the second one, you have to get a salad. Like, I'm not going to let you get, like, fries and potatoes. Like, you're already going to have two honey butter chicken biscuits and these things. He got a salad. Did he? Yeah, and he ate it. He didn't say, how how dare you? (laughs) Nah, he just started laughing because I was like, well, is the second one to share? And he's like, no, it's for me. Yeah. I was like, Okay. It's a real thing. And he ate it all. Yeah. I yeah. mean, no, if you go there, I mean, yeah, he's serious. It is that I would be. That's going to be my watch. He's going to lose the weight just to get it in that one sitting. Yes. Fuck it. That'll be my goal. And uh, I'm pretty sure I could do it. It's been done. Do you have? Oh, no, but you don't want like a eat four and. Get no, I don't want you to eat wall. four. <laughs> like, like two. 
Maybe. Too easy. Yeah. Easy. Just that. You don't add the bacon, egg, or cheese? I do. I add it all. Oh, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to start writing on the menu a little disclaimer like, <laughs> cannot do. If you try to do three, I got 911 on speed dial. You have to sign this waiver. And yeah. No, I, yeah, I do it. I stack it up. I turn it into, every, yeah, I put every uh, option you have that you can put on there. I add the egg, the bacon, the cheese. Yeah. The uh, I won't even tell. And I'm going to tell you, add gravy. I do add the gravy. You add the gravy too. Yeah. That I did that uh, on Saturday because my chefs were in Greece for a couple of weeks, and oh. you know I hadn't eaten there after brunch. Was doing other stuff, or it was even having to work a little bit more. Yeah. And so I was like, just hook me up, slap that gravy on there, let's get it going on, and it was delicious. I could understand. That's the my addiction. average order. Yeah. I do that every it's time good. we go. It's good. The gravy is my wife. What does she eat? Benedict? Do you do? Oh yeah, for brunch. Yeah, you can only get that on the brunch menu. Yeah. By the way, that's what she. That's what she gets when oh, we go that's to brunch there. Too. She loves the eggs Benedict. Um, I haven't had that just because in general I don't eat eggs Benedict. You have to try some of the hollandaise sauce. Next time you and your wife come in there, just taste the hollandaise sauce. I can't do it. You have to try it. Anyone though, you have to. That's like I'm, I'm. I'm telling you, I'm so confident in our hollandaise sauce. I'm ready for a Benedict competition. Doesn't it have mayonnaise in it? No. Fuck. It looks like mayonnaise. No, it's a lot of mustard. No, is it? It's, it's yolk. It's some other good. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what, what we put in ours, but it's. Like, if you go to the average restaurant and, you know, they just whip up some holiday sauce. Yeah. No. But the way we do ours. Okay. But that's the secret? You have to try it. Yeah, I'm not telling. People be trying to ask. I'm like, I'll let you know when we're hiring. And you work there. You can find out the secrets. And then from there. Well, that's you know, cool that places have secret recipes. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, like, I can tell you what's in it. But the you're going to know how to make ratios, it. The ratios, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can go home and try. Where did the where did the recipe come from? Uh, Chef Patrick Doors. He was, uh, and he's still involved with the restaurant, but uh, he was the original chef. These are his recipes. Um, the two chefs that are there now currently are both from Texas, Josh and Bruce, oh. and they've taken his recipes and even put their little, what we call stank. That's just <laughs> like... I'm like, make my macaroni and cheese and put some stank on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like when you go, you know, I don't know if the audience, if, you, if you're if you black or you've been to a black household where there's macaroni and cheese, yeah. there's a, always the middle piece that's left because everyone hits that corner. Oh, yeah. Because the corner crunchy. wall, that cheese, that's crunchy as stank, okay? okay? Crunchy equals. But it's Love just Love crunchy. A, it's, it's, yeah. So it's, you know, they put their stank on it, you know? Gotcha. And really, it's what brings the people in. Like, It'll be four years in August on the 29th that we opened. And we were initially going to open up in the end of July, but, you know, we were fixing and things changed. Yeah. That the date we ended up opening on was August 29th, uh, 2015, and it happened to be the 10-year anniversary of Katrina. Oh. So our cuisine is from New Orleans. Right. So it's just like, oh, okay, look at the universe, like letting us know hey. when you're going when, when you're gonna open. Right. And... Um, you know, it's been a lot of growth, changes, 
um, because the area changed a lot too. So having that concept, you know, come there with all the changes that was happening in the area, um, you know, you had a lot of people confused as to what was happening, who's doing this, who's involved with this. Yeah. Or I heard this, you know what I mean? There was a lot of politics that happened, you know, but at the end of the day, I was always the one running it. You know, right. that vibe you get when you come in, that sound, that energy. Like like I said, now, people come for the food initially yeah. for that the first time they come. But when they get that vibe and they get the energy, then they come back for all of it. Oh, yeah. You know it's what I mean? Experience. Because it's a feeling. It's yeah. like, you know, the whole idea was to create a space that would feel like you were at your favorite relative's house. Yeah. That could be your auntie, your grandma, whoever it is, you know. So... When people come in and they say they feel like they're at home, That's I just the goal. yeah, my spirit smiles. You know what I so mean. So how did so four years? So tell me about how it, the 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 origins. Where did this idea come from? To for, to open up fat, uh, uh, like Louisiana inspired. Well, so uh, Patrick, his family, he has roots in New Orleans, right? Okay. So he's like fifth generation family from New Orleans. Um, when I was in college, I went to college in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I was 17, and Louisiana was the first place that I went to, you know, by myself. And it just made sense when we thought about, okay, what's the food? We want to, we're going to create soul food, but yeah. where do we want to touch on? And it was just natural. I think all of our connection to Louisiana it made the most sense. I see. So, so do you, are you from the? Are you from Seattle? Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Seattle. Born and raised, Central District. Uh, graduated from Garfield. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I'm a bulldog baby. There you go. Yeah, you know, I I used to go to what is known as Fats now. Back when I was a preteen, prior to Catfish Corner, which was there before Fats. Yeah. Um, it was one stop burger, so I would go there and get burgers. You know, and I went to Catfish Corner, too. You know, yeah. I went to Garfield. You know what I mean? So you're just, like, right, right there. there. Yeah. So I was always, like I said, I'm born and raised in the CD. Yeah. So when the space became available and all the change was happening, it was like this, it's gonna, it makes the most sense. Because when you have an area losing a lot of its soul, it's important to keep some soul there. Oh, definitely. You know? So what took you, why college in Baton Rouge? Uh, so the band director at Garfield, I played in the marching band, I played the drums, uh, Clarence Acox, he, um, went to Southern. So that was a college I went to and we would emulate Southern's band, like our uniforms, like theirs was an S, ours was a G, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything, we would watch them, you know, VHS tapes, you know, the formation. So that was part of the thing that made our band so dope. I'm saying like in the 80s, like people be like, oh, band geek. I'm like, no, being in a band at Garfield in the 80s, that was hype. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was hype. Like we were the only ones playing. It's like that. Like you got Run DMC, one of the hottest groups out. Right. And <laughs> and our band is playing at, at the games. You know, we're marching. Uh, Acox rolled out When Doves Cry for all the instruments wow. to play. I'm saying in the 80s. Yeah. Right. So... We were just so dope. So watching those videos, I was like, that's where I wanted to go. Hmm. I wanted to be right there where it was happening. It was an all-black college, or it is an all-black college. And so that was important, too, coming from Seattle. I mean, I have equal amount of friends, but uh, it's about the experience. Sure. So Sure. So you were a drummer. Yeah. Do you play other instruments? 
Uh, I mean, I'm an MC, so that's my other instrument, my voice. I hey, use that a lot. <laughs> I'm already mega jealous. I'm jealous of drummers. Like there was <clears throat> the one of the reasons I think God hates me, and He's hated me from the get go. Like since since He made me, <laughs> was He gave me zero rhythm. So I cannot play the drums or any other instrument or move my feet or clap in any sort of uh, unique pattern for more than 10 seconds. It all just goes away. So I have zero rhythm. And then the other thing is that he uh, gave me um, very, very weak joints. (laughs) But I'm sure he gave you some other good stuff. Eh. He gave me the ability to not shut up for a long time. See? <laughs> Gift of gap. Oh, I don't know if that's good or bad, though. It may have gotten me into more trouble. than. <laughs> but it's giving you this awesome podcast. Well, you know, I'm... I'm <clears throat> I guess. The... I guess, because I, I... We were talking about this earlier. I haven't found anyone that have... That's told me that I'm boring and that they fall asleep or that I should... uh you know, rip my vocal cords out of my face. Uh, I'm waiting for it, though. Uh, but I love drummers. I've actually had a couple drummers on the show. Um, Evan Peterson, he's an art. He 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 he's an artist, but mm-hmm. he's he also plays the drums. And I, I like talking to him about playing. He's more of a he he plays like. Folks, oh, I don't know if I say folksy if he would get offended at that, like rock stuff. But we've had long conversations about drumming and different styles and like who's your most favorite drummer. And it's like, what about this drummer? He'll say, oh, overrated. Or what about this drummer? It's like, no, he's really good because he can do a lot with the little setup. Um, So what. So you started playing drums in in the marching band had you always wanted to play drums like if you've always just from even a little kid just like no i mean my son is more like that he was like that we bought him his first drum set when he was two okay um i started off in middle school playing the trumpet but then the drums just caught my attention i see and then i moved to that because i felt like it was a little bit easier i had to learn how to read these notes and stuff like that so your parents were your parents were like super supportive of this from the get-go yeah that is super cool. Yeah. That is neat. Like the, um, <clears throat> like, I don't know. My, my parents, I grew up just outside of Chicago and, uh, in, in basically in the nineties, I was a teenager there in the nineties. Okay. And it's this, like I say Aurora cause that's Aurora, Illinois. It's the second biggest city in Illinois. But what happened in Chicago in the, like started happening in the late seventies and in the eighties is that they were starting to tear down all of these housing projects Uh and they started moving a lot of people to the suburbs. And my parents just became hyper. I don't want to maybe scared is the right word that I was going to fall into the typical traps of a young male in that area. So they were just 100% interested and focused on me finishing high school and then getting a job. And they weren't so keen on identifying 
extra extra things that I might have been interested in and doing. Mm-hmm. Like the one thing that I can remember is um, <clears throat> the church that we went to, the youth minister was the wrestling coach. And <clears throat> well, back in the 90s, I was like a husky kid. And now I'm a now I, I've gone to high schools and now I'm small. It's like it's crazy. <laughs> have you been to high school? Well, you said you had a you had, you have a son. Like, have you been been around high schoolers lately? Well, I mean, Garfield's <clears throat> right down the street, so I watch these. Yeah, I watch these kids. It's like one kid. I'm like, God, that kid is super tall. They're huge. Yeah, I went down and uh, I was on a. On a, on a photography panel in Kent, in, the, in a high school in the Kent district. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at all of these kids thinking, oh my goodness, like average height for these guys are like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah. They're 200 pounds fit though, not like me, not, <laughs> not blobby. It's like, oh my God. It's like, I was big. I was one part of the bigger group when Back I was then. in high school. So this youth director, he begged my parents to send me to a public school so that I could wrestle for him. He wanted me to wrestle. He was also the wrestling coach. And my mom was like, no, it's like, we can't send him to the public school. So I went to private school my whole life, but I'm, you know, just thinking back and it's like, I don't blame my parents for anything because they were just trying to be, they were just, yeah, yeah. they were just trying to look out, but it's like, what if they had, what if, what if they had so the problem with not going to the public school is that I went to this really small private school that had zero resources. Like we had nothing. We had this, we had a basketball team that only played other private schools that did have tons of resources. Okay. So we never won a game. Uh, <clears throat> so th- and there was no band. There was no, there was nothing. There wasn't anything. And I don't even think I'm being, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Wow. It's like there really was nothing. There was, well, let's just say that in my, I graduated third in my class, but that's because only three people graduated. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were small. Like there was 35 kids from grade eight to 12 and they were all in one room. Wow. That's how small my, my school was. Well, anyway, so... <clears throat> You know, and not that I'm lamenting or not that I wish anything were different because everything turned out how, you know, it should have. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because um, I was about to say something mega sappy. I was about to say something like I was about to say everything led to ultimately being me being here in Seattle, married to Lori now. Uh. Oh, if she heard this, she would be like, oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) No, but sometimes I think like what would have happened if I had gone to the public high school where then it's like maybe wrestling, maybe I would have not dug wrestling, but, you know, maybe the the band thing would have gotten my attention or any other yeah. program because obviously they were much bigger. They were they were the 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 high school. <clears throat> so, and, you know, having said that, I think it's awesome that. Like you knew that you were musically inclined and that you had that encouragement i'm not even gonna say full encouragement but that your parents were like hey she's good at this well sorry I'm, al- I'm also the youngest too so mm. you know when there's seven kids in a household you know wow I have a you're sister, the youngest of seven yeah i have a sister who's like 18 months older than me so you know we were the closest in age but all the other ones start moving out and you know um so you know, your think- oldest the oldest is 63 
That's interesting. Yeah. I'll so be 50. So No way. Yeah, I'll be 50 in November. No way. Yeah. Holy mackerel. I would have never, <laughs> ever pegged you at that. Yes, sir. That's fantastic. Well, cheers to you. Cheers. We have a beer and, uh, and a drink here. Yeah. Um, so was your oldest sibling... Because I know that in some big families, the oldest siblings are can't wait to leave. Can't wait to leave. But by the time that the youngest ones are, you know, twelve, you know, teenagers, the oldest siblings are like oh, long yeah. gone. I mean, that's what that's how it was. So by the time that you know I was in high school, me and my sister, she graduated a year before me. So by her senior year, my junior year, we started having house parties, and you know, it was a little bit more relaxed because my dad. He's a merchant uh, seaman. He uh, was a chef, so he mm-hmm. was always gone, you know. But I learned a lot of cooking from growing up in a household with your father being a chef. Nice. You know. Um, so food and music. Yeah, food and music. That's just growing up in So you must have had 70s. quite a hectic household. <laughs> it was fun. Like always something going on. Always something going always on. Always something cooking. Yeah. Always something playing on the radio or oh, definitely playing on the ra- you know, always a record in there. Yeah, it was definitely <clears throat> vinyl or A tracks. Ray tracks. Yeah. Nice. Like I wanna start getting into A tracks. Yeah. They're making a comeback, actually. They're making them again. Yeah, I, I uh at one point a couple years ago I started going to Goodwill and I would start collecting A tracks yeah. and I found that nice little A track player and it was clean, it played really well. And that would just be fun. Like, now I'm on the research of finding A-tracks. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. No, so yeah, that must have been a f- lot of running in your household. <laughs> the, the household like, I'm, was fun. I'm picturing that. See, this is this is such a... And again, not that I wish anything were different, but I'm an only kid. Oh, okay. I don't... I, I like my no wife. want to pick I, on you, though. Yeah, well, I don't know. True, uh, I mean, yeah, that's such a unique experience. And my my wife's, well, actually, my wife is an only kid, too. Oh. So th- that's why she says that we were meant to be together, because we understand how single kids think. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, like, my cousins, they, there's only two of them, the brother and sister, they accused me my whole entire life of being spoiled and getting whatever I want, which is not the case at all. But I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people think that if you're an only kid, then that means that all of like every spare dollar will go to whatever it is that you want, (laughs) but which was again, not the case for me. But like, so just looking back and thinking of all the, my friends that had siblings on them, it's like that must have been there's always someone for you to again either do stuff to or get or stuff, do stuff done with. from. Yeah. You know, being the youngest, I mean, like I said, it was always a lot of fun, but you know, they picked on me too, you know, and, and it just things that happens when you have a bunch of kids in a house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now so. creatively, who who was it a overall a creative family? Like who of your siblings did music or dance or cooking or i mean none of them i mean everyone cooks i can say that everyone cooks some better than others um as far as like uh dancing or you know i mean we would dance in the household because you put the vinyl on and as kids like oh let's do a dance routine you know what i mean like 
you had your own little group, you know. Uh, once you went outside to play and you come back in-house, you still have people to play with. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, as far as what I'm doing, you know, I I think that's probably the other thing, too, that was good about being the youngest is because I could see all the mistakes and different choices that they may have made. Right. It was right there to, in front of you. Yeah, to not do it. If I followed in those footsteps, you know, be it good or bad, what I saw was enough for me. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm also the type of person that's always just kind of done things the way that I've wanted to do them. Sure. You know, I, you know, uh, follow what my heart feels. You know what I mean? And sometimes... Uh, it, it turned out to be good. Sometimes it, it, it may not have been, you know. Well, the older siblings might say, well, that's because <laughs> that's because mom and dad pretty much let you do whatever you wanted. Well, towards the end, because, they, <laughs> you know, they would be tired. Now, my siblings, you know, we're like a mixed, blended family. So my dad had two kids, older kids, before uh, my mom met. Mm-hmm. And then my mom also had three, uh, three other kids, four before she had, before they, them two had me. So I'm my mom and dad's only child. I see. But we all grew up in the household <laughs> so together. Like a, so we're all You really family. were the Brady Bunch, almost. Kind of. <laughs> Did you watch the Brady Bunch? Yes. And my dad <laughs> used to always say, oh, no, why are you watching that? Ain't no black people on there. And as a seven-year-old, you'd be like, what does that have to do? You know what I mean? You don't think about that kind of stuff. But it's the kind of stuff you know, now I kind of laugh at. It's like, oh, I get what he was saying. You know what I mean? My dad was like, a straight shooter, you yeah. know. Um, he would, he wasn't really big on, like, giving whoopings, but he would, like, talk and talk and talk and tell you about life and tell you about all these different things. An educator. Yeah, definitely. And, like, you know, we're all sitting around, coming from outside. He's like, that's back when everyone got it. Like, you could get multiple whoopings. Yeah. You know, that was just how it was, you know, right. because the area was just a community. Everyone knew each other. Yeah. So you really couldn't get away with doing a lot, you know. And he'd be in the middle of one of his big conversations, and like the phone would ring. We'd be like, yeah, yeah. He'd pick up the phone and be like, let me call you back. Talking to these kids. And then hang <laughs> up. He'd be like, oh, God, we had never going to go outside. But it was the things that he would say, like, just keep on living. And the stories that he would say. Right. And as you would keep living, at least for me, I would be paying more attention. I paid attention to the things that would allow me to, you know, be able to protect myself in whatever situations. Sure. Be able to use my voice, you know, um, not be afraid to say what it is that you feel, you know, just being straightforward with the people that you deal with, you know. No, my uh, my dad. was the opposite of that. <laughs> my, my dad was the man of very, very few words. But when he was displeased with something that I did, like he would say, you know, you shouldn't do that anymore. Like I, I felt the fear right. of him telling me that. But my mom was the one who gave the whoopings. Okay. My mom was the one who, yeah, that chancla flu <clears throat> or that, that, I, I tell my wife this, and she doesn't believe me, but swear to God it's true, that when I would do something to deserve a whooping, my mom would say, go get your dad's belt and go in the bathroom and then just wait for me. Well, fear. The, and it's like, holy smokes. And then she would leave me in the bathroom for, I don't know, it felt hours, but it was probably only a few minutes. Right. 
And then she would go into the bathroom and say, listen, this is what you did. I've told you hundreds of times you shouldn't do this. You're going to get, I don't know, three smacks. Are you going to do it again? And then no. And then she would whoop me. So I will tell my wife this. And she's like, she would not make whooping such a ceremonial thing. I was like, oh, yes, she did. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, she did. It's like she she was what's the word here she it was very premeditated like she never did anything actually i only remember once where she just it, it was because i came home like at three and i might have been smelling of liquor where mm. she just like slapped me i didn't and again, i deserved it because i was i don't know a kid i was like 14 or 15 oh yeah but all all of the other ones were she wanted me to really understand why it was happening. It was happening. Right. And I'm, my wife, so if when you meet, you haven't met Lori, but it's like, no, her parents were awesome. Although she, I don't think she really ever did anything really to deserve anything remotely close to what I got. She was always been a, a, a goody two shoes, yeah. as they say. No, but that is awesome. So <clears throat> your dad was a chef and like, what, what, what type of food did, did he love cooking? It's like, did he cook Soul different food. food than what he cooked for work? Well, a lot of the stuff that he cooked for work would be what we would have, too. So, okay. you know, he just cooked soul food, you know. I mean, that's why I tell people when they come into the restaurant, like, I grew up eating this food my whole life, like red beans and rice and, so you know, um, he make oxtails and he had his own way of making stuff. And, you know, then we would all have, like, different dishes like I had a dish because my middle name is Kylia and it was a uh, chicken Kylia you know that he would make it was like a baked rice uh-huh. dish and he named you know, dish chicken after out. You? yeah so we all had like different did he name a dish after any of the other siblings yeah my sister uh, my older okay. sister had a dish another dish um, but he just you know our house was the house that you knew you could come and get something to eat yeah like the and if un- there wasn't nothing cooking that day you can just go in the refrigerator and either warm something up or, you know, he would take, oh, is there some rice in there? Okay, there's this in there. Chop some onions, do this. And then you got some fried rice, you know, which was always one of my favorites, too, because mm. it would be pretty much what was in the refrigerator and some of that rice that was left over and some of the best stuff. I believe it. Yeah. Well, I want to know more about how, I want to know more about Baton Rouge and then the mixture of music and food but let's take a quick little tiny break and we'll be right back when i needed updated content for my small business website i was worried because i didn't have a very large marketing budget but then i found carlos at cz media he gave me a budget-friendly quote and delivered the high quality content i was looking for I would recommend you check him out. All of his information is in the show notes. And we're back. So the so you went to Baton Rouge because you really dug their you really dug their uh, their their band. Oh, the band! You know, seeing that and doing research on on the school was mm-hmm. like it was seriously culture shock for me. I mean, I was seventeen. Um, and just when you can turn around and everyone looks like you, it was amazing. You know, it was just amazing, you know what I mean, um, to be around 
you know, young kids who are inspired um, to continue their education. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them were from the South. So then you're really meeting a lot of Southerners and then coming from up north. It was it was different. Right. But it was it was super awesome. Did they look at you any different because you were from? I mean, we will always the have area? this thing about well, they will always be like. Are there black people there? Like, <laughs> yeah, dummy. Or no, it's just me, my family. Um, or they'll think like, oh, you mean like see Washington uh, D.C.? Like, no, Washington State. You know, it would be those right. sort of things. Sure. Or we would be like commenting on how we would talk. They're like, oh, you guys talk so proper. Where you know a lot of people oh, yeah. down south, you know, they have the little mix up of stuff. You sure. know, like they'll ask you a question. But then they'll answer it. Like, like, it's cold, yeah. Be like, did you just ask me a question and answer it too? Is that the like, Southern thing? Yeah, yeah. This okay, happened. I don't yeah. think that's a new one to me. I yeah. didn't know that. Go down south and be, but the, the hospitality though sure. is amazing. Right. You know, um, again, coming from a, a big family where, you know, you get love done, you got support, you know, but then going somewhere else where, you know, my I had a best friend that was there as well, but mainly you're just on your own and yeah. you get these new experiences and, and different people, but then everyone just loved on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And their families took you in, you know, so creating a restaurant and giving that Southern hospitality here in the Pacific Northwest, especially if you're going to do cuisine and food that's from a region and you just can't take the food because my whole thing is like, yeah, a lot of food started in certain areas, but you know, black people are all, all over the place. And my dad, you know, he was from Kansas. You know, my mm -hmm. mom is from Iowa. You know, you're talking about the Midwest and they meet here in Seattle, you know? Yeah. Um, but my dad was a chef by trade. So you're taking food that, you know, a lot of black people have eaten from for years. Yeah. And then you put your own twist on it. You put your own flavor to it and you take something that is yours and just enhance it. So right. in creating something and creating a restaurant, you know, we wanted to make sure that you got all of that. You got the experience, you got the good food, you got the flavor, you got the soul, you know, you get love done. Like it's, it all goes together. It, it the experience. It's yes. an experience. Yeah. <clears throat> then, so you were, how long were you in Baton Rouge? I was in Baton Rouge for two and a half years. I parted a lot. And then that's when my parents was like, yeah, you got to come back. <laughs> I was like, ah, man. <laughs> Dang. I was having a good time. And that's the problem. Well, we had it, too I much mean, fun. But it's still, it's, for me, it, you know, even though I, I didn't finish college, that didn't stop anything I've done well, no, in it, life. It, actually, it made it possible. It, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it planted the seed for what you just described. Well, yeah, ultimately when the opportunity for fats happened yeah. and when we all were deciding on the region and everything, it just made sense because right. of the all the roots. So, and I'm a type of person too that I might not need a long time to be somewhere as long as I'm learning what I need to learn exactly. to apply it to whatever it is I'm trying to apply it to. Well, it's like, <clears throat> it's, it's, it, you're a, you, you think big picture, right? Oh yeah. 
So, and, and, and again, I don't want to put, I don't want to mislabel here, but I, from what I'm getting here, you're big picture. And the, the difference between big picture and people who think little picture or on the, you know, the difference between the 35 foot thousand view versus the 5,000 view is that even though you may, even though let's just say that you went to school, didn't finish. A lot of people just get stuck on that. Right. On it's like I started something, I didn't finish it. Okay, I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. Or whether like, let's let's just say you got a, you were married and then you got a divorce. It's like oh, I got a divorce. I got a divorce. Like one of the when I, <laughs> I'm divorced, and I got divorced when I was relatively young, and my mom thought that I was going to be forever soured on women and never want to be in another relationship. I'm like mm-hmm. heck no. Right. It's like yeah. I'm big picture. It's like there's. <laughs> It's like, this is an opportunity. So being big picture, you saw that, um, you know, when this opportunity came up, you're like, hey, because you're thinking wide, it's like I spent a lot of time here, add that to my growing up and, and just my whole uh, life. Well, when I did the whole reason why, it made sense. So my business partner, Marcus Lilario, he has um, like Little Woody's and See You Dad. Right. He's just a businessman. You know, yeah. he's a very smart guy, too. And I've known him for, for years. You know, we did things back when I was doing music together. So he knew that the restaurant was something that I always wanted. Yeah. And prior to starting Fats, I was working with this company for eight and a half years. I was working for heavy restaurant group and they have the purple cafe and wine bars. I, I opened up that one in downtown Seattle in 2006. That was like Holy my real girl. first restaurant job. I started off as a food runner. I had no idea what, what it was, Yeah, but that's where I started. That's and high I've pressure for, of your first, for your first taste of, of oh, something yeah. like that. And I didn't even really drink wine back then. I was just like, oh man, but I was in a transition in my life and um, it probably took me about a good four years and I started thinking again, big, excuse me, big picture, what do I want to do next? Like I ultimately want to own my own restaurant. And when I started at Purple is when I initially was like wanting to open up a restaurant. I had no experience. I had no idea. And I know based on what it's taken to make fats successful that whatever I would have done wouldn't have been successful because I didn't have the tools that I needed. And by being with this company for as long as I was, it was like, that was the college for me, except for I was getting paid to learn. Sure. Hey, you know, I say this all the time and Lori, my wife, she, because she's in education, she has to semi disagree with me. But college overall is not going to give you the tools, right? To be like a lot. I think that there's just a whole lot of focus right now on college being the magical component, you know, the magical That's ingredient. Super dead, yeah. Like, no, it's like you're going to go to college, rack up a $60,000, $70,000 student loan debt. And you're going to come out of college and you're going to be like, I have no idea what to do. Right. I have no idea what it's like to be what I actually want to do. I don't know how to 
I mean, I, well, I was in sales for a really long time. I was in software sales for a long time. <clears throat> and and I, well, I'm one of those people that went to college because I thought that I needed mm-hmm. that. But did, other than maybe helping me improve my research and my writing skills some and, you know, learning how to network, which in, to me, college networking in college meant that I was able to get other people to do work for me. It it wasn't really there. It's like, you don't get these skills. There was no college class you could have taken that would have give made you 100% would have made you prepare to say, you know what, let's do this. Let's, let's open up our own place. Yeah. No, I think, you know, um, life is, you know, the best teacher, Absolutely. you know, and if you put yourself in position when an opportunity comes and you've went down the path, then the doors will be open. Yeah. They, they will open, you know, and, you know, it's like MockTube, you know, it's, it's it is already written for you. What's written for you is meant for you, yeah. you know, and no one can change that but you. So you're in, it, ultimately you're in control. And if you are passionate about something, then you need to make the decisions that will help take that passion and move it forward. So when you mentioned your business partner, he saw that passion in you. Well, like I said, we had been involved when I was doing music. Yeah. You know, we it wasn't just all business like he's a friend. He's someone I consider a friend. Yeah. So. You know, uh, I like I said, I was at Purple for eight years. And the then one downtown? I, yeah, downtown. And I did everything there. You know, food ran, bus, uh, learned the host of stuff, just served, you know. Um, then I got a position managing at the other uh, sister restaurant, Barrio, on Capitol Hill. Oh, there's, I didn't know they were sisters. Yeah. They were sister locations. Yeah, well, that's what ended up ultimately changing it from a Purple concept because at one point it was only just purples yeah when they opened barrio they had to switch up the name so then that's why it became heavy restaurant group because all the furniture is super heavy so it made them <laughs> it really is if you go to anywhere try to pull out the chair be like damn this is heavy everyone Actually, would say that barrio has a super cool bar yeah like they're they're the way it's all shaped bar. yeah that is it's one of the more unique ones yeah next to um uh the bar at sam's uh, it has it's, tavern. Yeah, their oh, bar is it has bar. pennies with a resin over it. Oh, okay. So it's basically pennies, which I think is really cool. Cool. <laughs> no, so you worked at work bar too. Like I said, that management was the last for me. Once I started, you know, mentally preparing myself for whatever opportunity would come, if it was me being invested uh, financially into what it was I wanted to do right. or the opportunity came where you have investors in line and then you can take your vision and everything and put it in into this play that last year. And I was at Barrio for, it wasn't even a whole year, you know, and I ran a market. So it was like, I got something that I'm working on, but I'm going to reach out to you when I get the keys. And then we sat down and we talked about it. And, you know, I'm saying I'm with the company for, Nine years, you know, I can continue to grow there. Yeah. But there wasn't, there would never be an opportunity for ownership. It would just be only growth, financial. Understood, right. You know, and so 
I I was ready. I was like, let's do it. You know, I mean, there's someone who I trusted, um, who I trust. But at that time, I trusted enough to be like, you know what? I'm ready. So. So while you were at Barrio, you I, I, you mentioned <clears throat> Marcus had an idea where he said, I have. Yeah. I'm, like I'm so he the had the opportunity to get the location that is now currently fast because the Catfish Corner had closed the year before. And that mm-hmm. space sat vacant for a year. But he had brought that up to you with the idea intention of, me, of ownership? Well, ultimately ownership. So, like, okay. he's the type of businessman that's like, and we talked about this in the beginning, too. He's like, you know, getting his initial investment back, getting the investors their money back, sure, everyone well, getting that's... taken care of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, he did it with Sal's Barbershop. He had initially opened up that one when it used to be on Olive, and then they moved up to Pike, and the barbers now own it. Like, you know, just buy them out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, I'll make because it he wants to go on to the next thing. Right, and then that's, yeah. what, that's what you do when you're an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Like, he, he's a big picture person, so big picture yep. people, that you see the vision. So in order to make facts be successful it's like and not only just successful but authentic and trusting that because it wasn't never about uh i had a micromanager like e i'm gonna let you do your thing because i know that you got this like you are you grew up in the cd yeah you went to garfield like there wasn't nothing that was non-authentic about what we were doing. Yeah. It's just a particular initial time in 2015. There was a lot of controversy and people feeling, you know, however they felt. And, you know, you even got now, it's 2019, and people would be like, oh, I didn't know, you know, that it was black-owned. Because they don't do the research. They're not, you know, they're the type of people who are like, if I want to know something, I'm going to find out. I mean, sure. we damn everyone got smartphones okay so you can pull up your smartphone you can google whatever you got to do to do research for yourself or you can listen to what someone told you about what it is and then you believe that and then that's it right those are i don't deal with those people anyhow so it's a little lazy it is i mean it's just like you know i tell them i'm like well the information is there right you know and you know there was a couple times where i get you know, people would be like, oh, you're just the manager. And I'd be like, what have you managed? What have you, you know, managed and made successful? With, with, I, that, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that <laughs> response because a lot of times people don't want to, you know, they want to like lower what you're doing absolutely. and they haven't done it just like, to say even, you're not doing this. Even if that were the case, that is still... <laughs> so you're like, in your case, yes, you are managing, but <laughs> there's this whole extra layer it's this a whole, whole extra component yeah it's like i don't know i mean we were talking about this a little bit earlier too but it's, it's like, like how do you take something everywhere. from uh, that that's nothing well not necessarily nothing because it was already something but you take something from the beginning and make it grow you know it's the hardest thing that in wasn't the world. done yeah that, and, and then and especially a restaurant and a restaurant that's in an area that's controversial and all these different things i just came to come to work to give people something that they ultimately needed. They needed a place to come so, and get fed good, get some good food. You know what I mean? Be so around you're saying some good people. It was uh, Catfish Corner before that. Yeah, Catfish Corner had been in that space for like 23 years. I want to yeah. say. Now, did you um? Was there any sort of was there any sort of reach out to those customers saying, "Hey, we're going to transition to something new"? No. So it was basically, that. "Hey, this is." 
Do you believe, do you think that you've, you've won those customers over since 2015? Um, some, there's some that still don't know because they, they choose not to know. There's some that's like, oh my God, I, I didn't know, you know, um, Hmm. It's, even but my in, thing even is not now, about winning over. Later. Yeah, but but see, my thing is about the people that want to come to have the experience, or the people that I want to walk in the door. I'm not trying to win nobody over. You know what I mean? You need, as if anything, you need to come up in here and get some of this. You know what I mean? I'll, I seriously, that's just how I am. I just yeah. like I'm not trying to. If you want to know what it is, and you walk in the door, and you come for the experience, and you get the experience, then you're gonna leave knowing, gotcha. and then you're one. Right. But I'm not putting up like, hey, you know, okay, come no, I, I don't need to do that because I'm running well, you're a your business. Own person. Yeah. And then there's people that know me who are just like solid. Just like, e, I I just, you know, come support you because I support you and I've always supported you. You know, I know that you're about business. So then you you have those, but there's just people I mean, we get people that from the Netherlands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who are like bookmarking to come to fats uh people from all over even like people like people from california who are like from la and they're like my friends came here and they're like when you go to seattle you got to go here people from out of town who come once but they're like we're about to they got their suitcases we're getting we're getting on a plane in three hours but we had to come and get this one more time right you know what i mean those are the people that came in and and won they're winning you know what I mean? Like you win when you come in to get the experience. But yeah, I'd never feel like, because then who are all those people that I'm trying to win over? It's just like, I don't have nothing to prove, but beyond the fact of saying like, I'm smart and good at what I do. Yeah. And time is going to be the truth. That's going to be what's going to tell you when you see like, we're going on four years and people are like, okay. This, this is real. Well, let me come check it out. Absolutely. You're like, that's cool. But it took you this long. You missed out. It's a hard road. Hey, I think the thing is, I, I'm always like this. If someone's sitting in their home and they're talking about me, whether it be good or bad, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, you know, but that's someone else taking a certain amount of their time and energy to focus on me. <laughs> so I'm still winning. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Good or bad. Absolutely. If my name is in your mouth, then I must be doing something right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the, who's that? Someone says, someone said that if you don't have uh, naysayers, detractors, or haters, then you're not doing something right. Someone, someone said that. Yeah, I'm sure they did because it's just the truth. People, not everyone's going to be happy for you because you know, and, and another thing, too, like, I used to be involved in music years ago, and we had to start defining what success meant for us. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, some people's like, what well, success might mean, have you got a nice car? You got this. You got these nice, you know what I mean? That's yeah. each individual's person, you know, their perception of what success is. And then also, I'm like, this is not going to college. This is like upbringing and just knowing like I got to put value on my time. You know what I mean? You know, as artists, that is one of the most difficult things to do. Certain situations, you know, it's nothing, you know, but if people are like, 
So it's like, oh, I want to pick your brain. I'm like, hey, you can pick my brain, but that ain't going to be free. Like, you want me to sit down and give you information on how to get this game? Like, sign up for my. Yeah, I'm teaching classes now. I'm a <laughs> once a month, you know, I'm a just put it down. It's going to be entry fee. If you're going to do that, then bring your smartphones and record. Record, post those videos on YouTube. And then <laughs> Come say get if, this game. If you want to know more, then contact me for some one on one coaching for, I don't know, $250 an hour. Yeah. A lot of people do that. No, I, I mean, one of you my best friends is, is, a, is a life a coach, and I, I, I get it, but. You know, no, no, not even just life coach, but yeah. I okay. I'm 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 being markety here. <laughs> I bet you that there would be. Actually, I would have really loved for my wife to have been here, for Lori to have been here, because I'm positive that if she were here, she would have already thought of multiple panels or events that she would want you to speak at. No, I've I've I like to speak on panels, and I've done a few. Um, you know, well, I did it with Callis. Ca- he was caveat. on the panel with me. Yeah, and and it was just talking about. Well, the caveat yeah. here with Lori would be that they would be two high school kids. They would be it would be for kids. Oh yeah, now, I definitely <laughs> deal with the youth. I'm really big on, you know, just like, hey, come here real quick. Let me just talk to you real quick. Just yeah. about, you know, and, and you don't have to know me, but if I see you doing something that ultimately is going to hurt you. At least you're going to hear it from me. You can take with this whatever you want. And you have plenty of credibility here. You have seven siblings. Yeah, and I'm the youngest. You have a successful business. (laughs) So the credibility that you have is is as valid as it needs to be. So in in all of this, so we've mentioned music a lot. So were you in band? At in in Baton Rouge, did you? No, no. So the other thing about Southern's band, yeah, man, I I I didn't go there for to be in the band. I went there to go to college mm-hmm. and the, for the experience. But their bands do like a two a day. Oh, the drum line does like a two a day, like how the football players do during yeah. football season when they're practicing. Yeah, so it, that is it, a lot of work. Yeah, and it is, but they're like tight, solid. You know, every um, year. Around Thanksgiving, uh, it's the Bayou Classic where Southern plays Grambling, it's in New Orleans, it's a weekend, and it's exciting. Friday night, it's Battle of the Bands. Saturday is the game. Yeah. I took my son two years ago, um, and he just, as a musician, just was like, oh my God, Mom, this is so amazing. Like, I've never been in a space where it was just all black people. You know what I mean? <laughs> just just, just to be able to have that experience, you know, for like college. And then sure. it's like music. So he's a drummer and he's a producer. And to see these bands playing songs that you know and battling or the DJ. And then you got everyone in the stadium singing a song. Right. Like, that's church. Indeed. That's, that's that good feeling that you need to feel, you know. Right. So I wanted him to go so that he could experience that. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say afterwards? Oh, he was blown away. He was just like, oh, my God. Like, it was just amazing. It was, he was like, Mom, this was just like the best thing I think I've ever seen before in my life. And then just, he's like, you know what? The Seattle area can do so much better in this space. <laughs> well, I mean, then we're in a whole different geographic, you know. I mean, yeah. we're in Seattle. And there, there's a lot of good things that happen here. But, you know, there are certain areas that are all particular, like, people. Yeah. And 
you know, if you go to an all black university, that's what you're going to see, you and, know? Yeah. It's, that's, I mean, you know, that's just what it is, you know? And there's not, you know, it, it's, it's great because these are historical black colleges and universities right. that, you know, are still thriving. So it's, it's important to, you know, be a part of that and yeah. support and, you know, even after you're gone. So did you, so you, you were like two a days. That's, I ha- I have to actually. It was always cool in. to see them. Like at nighttime, you'll watch them, and then they they would be practicing. You know, but it, it was awesome. So yeah, no, I didn't go there to for mm-hmm. the band. Like high school because it was Garfield, and you know, I mean, I played basketball. You know, I was very active. You know, teenager. You know, yeah. I kept busy. You know. So when you came back, what what music activities were you doing when you came back? When I came back, I was actually uh, writing a little bit, producing a little bit, and managing. And uh, then I met my son's father in 94. And at that time, he was doing a lot of stuff with the hip-hop scene. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Moore, uh, rest in peace, he passed a couple years ago. Um, So that was like the resurgence of the Mm hip-hop community here in Seattle, because a lot of people were in the CD, you know, so you have a lot of different crews. You got B-Boys, B-Girls, you know, you got the DJs, you know, graffiti artists, MCs. Like, it was full on rebuilding of the culture. You know, Langston Hughes was a place that we went to and did a lot of shows. You know, it it was a space. It was a space that was available for us to hone our craft and to be able to take it from the central district to downtown. Right. So I'm not very knowledgeable about Actually, I'm not very knowledgeable at hip hop in general. <laughs> I, you, I you can call my uh, you can call my hip hop knowledge minimal. And it's so the if you were to look at my iTunes playlist you're going to see a bunch of Eminem. You're going to see a bunch of Tupac. And then that's pretty much it. A lot of mainstream artists that you would hear on the radio. Yeah. And uh, maybe you'll see some KRS-One. Oh, yeah. Some Nas. But um, educate me a little bit on it. I mean, is from a Seattle point of view, it's like, what was... Because <clears throat> actually... And actually, this is a this is pretty. And actually, I've talked about this to uh, my friend Cody. She's been on the show a few times. We had this whole show where we all we talked about what we listened to in high school. Mm-hmm. And she was listening to hip hop stuff. And she was a B girl, okay. or actually, sort of still is. Um, she plays um, Capoeira, that Brazilian. Yeah, yep, I've done. Capoeira. So she's uh, she's a big. Actually, that's a beating bow right next to you. Oh, I didn't even see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I no, did. I played Capoeira for years, and I wish that I kept it up too because I want I would be in way better shape but it, it it's it's a dance it is yeah and given my lack of rhythm uh ailment <laughs> I was just I did it for over a, I did it for only I only did it for over a year and a half <clears throat> but I talked to Cody about this for a really long time of stuff that we listened to in high school and we listened to in Chicago, well, in the Chicago area in the mm-hmm. 90s, we listened to this stuff that we called freestyle, but it's, I mean, freestyle is such a broad term. But it was basically ballads to some semi housey techno music. 
like we didn't listen to a whole lot of hip hop. Okay. When 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 I was in when well, I, I mean, was in, when I was in high school. For me, you know, again, I was in middle school in the '80s, right? Graduated from high school in '87. So, even though hip hop has the East Coast origins, yeah. Um, the the sound and the energy made its way up to the Pacific Northwest. So when I first heard, you know, Rapper's Delight, which I think is a lot of people's, especially if you weren't on the East Coast and able to get these uh, mixtapes and stuff that was happening there, that's probably like a lot of people's first yeah. album that they heard, right? right? Which did expose you to more. But that was something that just was like, when I heard that and seen the energy behind it, I knew that hip hop, which is an actual culture, you know, rap is an element yeah. of the culture of hip hop. Like the B-boy, it's an element of the culture. You know, right. so you have the DJ element of the culture. Hip hop is like the parental figure. MCN, B-boy, and those are the children. I see. You know, so when you got kids bopping and breaking and doing all these moves all the way up here, it just was something that touched me. Just like when I started playing the drums, it was just something I knew that I wanted to do. You know, I follow, you know, what my passion, you know, no matter it didn't look right. The people like, well, you have a girl playing the drums. Like girls don't play the drums. Girls don't do this. Girls don't do that. You know, like, quit telling me what you actually, girls do. You heard of that? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying it. Well, no, I mean, it just was one of those things that you know, and then you're a teenager too, so people have, you know, they want to have an expectation of you. They want to see you do things the way that they want to see you do it, and not be open to who you are. Yeah. But because I've always been okay with who I am, then people ultimately be like, you know, that's one of the things I respect about you Hmm. is that you've always just done it the way that you wanted to do it. And not doing it my way was hurting anyone. I was just doing what made me feel good. Yeah. Because if I didn't back then, I wouldn't even be who I am now. Right. Because I would have been too busy worried about what everybody else was saying I should do and shouldn't do. And uh, be quiet. I think I have this completely wrong. Well, I actually, I'm the. I sort of just had an idea because I don't have any. Like I don't have a sister. I never was around this. Uh, uh, th- I was never around anyone that ever said you can't do this because you're a girl. But then thinking back, like I don't have a sister. So if I had, if I did have a sister would, you know, would someone along the ways have told her you can't do this because you're a girl. Yeah. I mean, people always want to tell you, but you know, like, so what can I do? So (laughs) like what girl, what, okay, this I'll, I'll admit this because I think I've admitted it before. I played the flute in high school. Okay. But I don't remember anyone telling me you can't play the flute because you're a boy. <laughs> Although ultimately I did quit because I may have been teased once or twice yeah. about playing it. But uh, that, that, that just, that's just a, a super unfortunate thing. Well, it's one of those things that I think is what made me stronger as a person. Yeah. Because even though things that I would do, how I would dress, wouldn't be agreeable where people be like, but you're a girl, you should wear dresses. I don't want to wear a dress. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't feel comfortable in them. Yeah, I just, I, I want to be able to run around. You know what I mean? So 
again, I, I'm a type of person that's like, I'm never going to do something to make myself uncomfortable right. to make somebody else comfortable. That's, that's not where, I mean, it's, it's just in the, the end, That's what I'm saying though. So back then you could just imagine. So There's back a lot to of the, pressure to do that. yeah, but back to the whole music is, is just was something that I felt. You know, and so, of course, high school, you know, we're listening to, you know, in the 80s now, Run DMC. Yeah. You know, um, the Beastie Boys. Um, of course, KRS-One, like, you have all these crews now because you're talking about from the 80 all the way up until 85, 86, 87. Now you got all these new crews, you know. Um, I remember the first time I hear an Ice-T, you know what I mean? Just different artists from yeah. all over. Um, is Oh, never mind. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, leaving and going to school, I always wrote, even in high school. You know, when I played basketball and I wrote a rap after we won the state championship, you know what I mean? We had assemblies and stuff, you know, and I'm like, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so I mean, it's just one of those things that you just kind of know it's something that you want to do, but you're trying to figure out how do I get to it. So you always, uh, did you always have, like, a notebook in hand? And Nah, I mean, not all, not like that, but... Uh, it wasn't. It was serious enough that I was good at freestyling, you know. Because in the '80s, it was a lot of ranking going on, <laughs> and you just, especially at Garfield, you had to be quick, or your feelings was gonna get hurt. <laughs> and so I was pretty quick, and I lost a few, but I won a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it's just about being funny, and that's just a part of my character too. Like I'm super witty, you know. I say some things sometimes at the restaurant that oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I know I can say it to this table because this table's not going to be offended. You know what I mean? If I had a nickel for every time I said, I wish I were more witty, I would have a whole lot of money. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's 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 hard to be witty without being... I don't know. Is the word basic the right, is the right thing? Because... Like, there's a lot of situations It's like now. the drumming thing. It's timing. Yeah. It's just really just timing. And sometimes, you know, I say a lot and I, you know, I'll be like, oh, probably shouldn't have said it to that kid. But, you know, kid probably needs to hear it. Okay? <laughs> you know, because your parents, you're not saying nothing. And this is you're in my restaurant and you're about to try to tear my stuff up. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> that's just what it, it is. It's, I, I think that's one of those things that you're just born with. Yeah, it is. And like comedians. They're just born... You know, to be funny, you know, that's even something else that's on my bucket list of things that I want to do, because I've done a number of things like the music was good, it was successful. Yeah. You know, a lot of people know about Jossiri, know about my group, Beyond Reality, Source of Labor, you know, they know about the crews, things that we did. Are you, you know? on YouTube anywhere? Um, I don't know. I don't even research. No, actually, there are some songs that are on there because someone sent me a video and I was like, oh, where is that at? And, you know, hmm. people have the music. You know, so I should probably link to it. Yeah, so there's there's some it. there's some good stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the comedy thing is something that's kind of like on my list. Like I'm just one day I'm just going to get up and do an amateur hour. And that was one of the things, too, when I first started doing music and uh, in the 90s with Jonathan and like, you know, you got Jossiri, you got Tribal Productions, you got DVS crews, you got all these crews. Mm -hmm. And there were a number of places where there would be shows going on. And then at the end, it's always a freestyle session. That's yeah. how you pretty much would end a show. And even back then, we would do shows and someone was whack. You'd be like, pass the mic. <laughs> I mean, while they're rapping. 
Get your skills up. Or no one's going to say that. Basically, (laughs) either you out rap them trying to say that. And and I can say this. No one's ever told me to pass the mic. I'm I'm putting that out there. And if anyone got some proof, bring it. Because I know ain't no one ever told me to pass the mic. Do you ever want to go back to this? To MCing? To go, yeah. I, I be rapping at work all the time. It's oh, so funny. Like to do something. Yeah, back you know, me and my son, me and my son talk about doing a project, and he's like, "Mom, you're not serious." I'm like, "Oop, I'm trying to focus on this restaurant right now. I don't have time. By the time I get off work, I'd be tired. I want something to eat. I want like a little shot of whiskey, and I fall asleep. You know, I'm about to be fifty. Yeah, but you, know, you still need to. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually, soul a little bit. You know, I mean, I got it. It it's not gone anywhere. I well, just, no, you don't. Yeah, you don't lose it. Yeah, I just it's just one of those things. Where, or you do have, you have lots of DJs at the restaurant. Oh yeah, we have DJs every week. We actually have vitamin D there uh, tomorrow. Um, so and so I, dedicate a day to you. Oh, I did. I just DJed at the restaurant. Um, well, no, last but month. To, uh, no, but I have to tell DJ you, DJ slash uh, my MC name. My MC, uh, well, my DJ name, it changes a lot. It's, it's really EQ, but for this last installment at the restaurant, because my work nickname is Bates, after Kathy Bates' uh, wonderful role in Misery, because she was so OCD <laughs> and everyone thinks I'm OCD, which I don't care, because if you're not organized, you're not going to be successful. If you just hey. come in there just willy-nilly and don't have things prepared for the next day, That's you're not right. going to be successful. That's you know? right. Unlike this show. Mega organized. Hey, you gotta be. <laughs> but for real, it was so packed in there. We had our DJs spin from six to eight. I started DJing at five forty-five. People stood around for an hour. People who like know me from back in the day, but then customers who were like, "I didn't know you DJ." Yeah. And it was packed. And my partner walked in there. He was like, "Damn!" I was like, "Hey, you know, we Did you rap killed though? it." Nah, I was DJing. I was DJing vinyl. Well, it's something that I miss do doing. Well, there's no microphone set up in there. Hey, look at this. We have we have microphones galore. Oh, you talking about right now, or are you well, talking no, about? Oh, at the I like, well, yeah. I mean, but it's just like the do whole any idea, DJs rap live while they're DJing? Nah, the whole idea is oh, just to like I just because it's something. a it's a it's a restaurant, so you don't want it to be super distracting like the music. Because when you walk in the fast, there's always music on. So the only difference is is that you have a DJ, someone you actually can look at who's making the selections. And then they can make whatever selections that they want. Wait, and so, so it's the still a customers can, can request? Yeah, customers have come up, and if the DJ has it, they'll play it. I would sure. probably ask for Mark Anthony. Yeah, and most of the DJs <laughs> that I get probably don't have Mark Anthony. So <laughs> you might want to have a couple people. Also, I'll, I'll ask for some Chino and Nacho. They might, you know, <laughs> a lot of people do the digital stuff, so they could probably pull it up for you if, if you really needed to hear no, it. No, there should be that. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm giving you a goal. I am projecting a goal onto you. Okay. A, uh, a f- one song. Do one song. And then that's it. Do one song. Queen. Yeah. Have someone, you know, have the DJ there mm-hmm. and then tell everybody, all right, <clears throat> America, I haven't done this in a bit, but here I go. And then do your song. Oh, man, I didn't even I could I could get on a bill right now if I wanted to. Well, it's baby steps. 
You know, nah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not a baby. I'm the I'm, I don't set the foundation. All I gotta do is say, look, <laughs> I want to do a show. Put me on, and I'll rock. Well, I know, but I'm not, I'm I'm talking, I'm talking uh, the potential of it happening in the very very uh, near future. That because you control it. Yeah, it could be tomorrow if I want it. Let's do it. <laughs> No, but listen, Let's we got it. our anniversary coming up, and um, we might do something outside where it'll be, you know, mm. pretty big and, you know, just have some fun. But we'll see. That's in August. It's coming up, though, because, Jesus, it's already soon. May. Yeah. It's, it's that's, flying by. It's, it's Yeah. That's, are you working on that? I'm thinking about what we want to do. Yeah. I think, you know, year one, we did something in the restaurant. We get served food that was totally different. It was free to the public. The food was free. People lined up like 30 minutes beforehand. All right. Well, you know, free food. That's about right. Hey. I'm going to come. Yeah. Um, last year, we just, I did something for the staff. So it was more about us. Um, this year is kind of figuring it out. I think year five is when I really want to do something. Because like five years is That's like. That's a uh, yeah. big year. Yeah. Every year is good. And it's great to say we're this many years, this many yeah. years. But I think when you get to that five, it's no, that's like a, um, that's a mm, that's a monumental year. Yeah, that's you know, exciting. I think I think maybe after year five, I'll get I'll I'll work on an album. After year five, I'll, I'll put out an album. God willing, I'm still around, and y'all can hold me to this on the podcast. <laughs> so we're listening. That's going to be 2020. Yeah, in 2020. Look for an album. From Ooh. Kylia. Produced but, by your kid? Oh, yeah. My son, he's sick. You more. How how awesome would that be? It would be dope because he was actually, for a few years, my hype man. When he was like a little boy, like three, yeah. four, five, six, holding on to my pants legs in the beginning. And then he'd be <laughs> up there doing his little moves. Um, but we were definitely, we, we've talked about it. But I, I mean... I, I think about it a lot, but then I'm all, I always know that when it's supposed to happen is when it will happen. Yeah. You um, can't rush it. Nah. You know, and I just want to set some time out to just be creative in that space again, because I once I moved on from that, I moved on to the things that has allowed me to do what I'm doing now with fats. Right. And then, so I'm like, all right. What do I want to do next? What do I want to do next? What do I want to do next? You know, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, and it's not like I can't go back to music because, you know, it'd be fun yeah. just to do it, just to be like, man, I could do what I want to do because I've always done that, yeah. you know, and just to have fun doing it. But yeah, me and my son have talked about doing a project together, using his productions and just writing some raps. Uh, we also talked about it before his dad passed. I was like, we should write a song, like take one of Oop's beats and, you know, we should get back and just write a song, you know, right. and then he had got sick. So that part didn't happen, but I do have a lot of audio that we could take some of his stuff. And, you know, I mean, with technology, you can merge, make anything oh, yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you, that might be a, you know, something that will be on our project for sure. I think you should definitely add it. I think yeah. it would be great. Well, Erica, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. I think I've, this is one of the most enjoyable conversations that Thank I've you. had. I really liked it. And <clears throat> tell us again, give me your uh, however long you want pitch to have people come to the restaurant and check it out. Yo, here's the deal, y'all. If you listen to the podcast, 
Come see us at Fats Chicken and Waffles. That's 2726 East Cherry Street. That's in Seattle, right on the corner of MLK and Cherry. You mentioned that you heard this amazing podcast and get 20% off. But you have to say the podcast. (laughs) That's how we know who's listening. And then, you know, we'll push it back. But, yeah, come out and support. We're there. We're closed on Monday, so don't show up on no Monday looking for some food because I'll probably be somewhere doing a podcast or sleeping or enjoying the sunshine. <laughs> working on an album. Work, you know, working on an album. 2020, <laughs> you heard it here first, okay? <laughs> well, thank you. So well, that's exciting. Thank you so much for thank that. Thank you. I won't put it in the description, but I'll say listen for something special to encourage people to listen through. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Again, I I mean, up there on my five most favorite places that we go to just delicious and i can't wait till i will let myself eat four of them (laughs) and again i'm not gonna let them eat four but i will let you eat two (laughs) four is just too much for your heart baby because i don't want you coming back like uh, uh, Lori calling me and hey you you let him eat four it's like no okay Maybe not four. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll talk we'll about compromise. it. We'll compromise, yes. We'll negotiate. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. So don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Uh, take advantage of that newly improved PayPal donate button. Follow Fats. They have great marketing. Like every picture that you see on their social media is going to make you want to go there. Guaranteed. It's so good. From the... I love grits. I love the gravy. I love the Louisiana hot sauce that you have. Um, And then we drink lots of mimosas there, too. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will uh, be back soon. Thank you, Erica. Thank you.